Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel is a podcast where we discuss the latest Marvel episodes and TV series as they are released on Disney+. Plus. This is your spoiler alert. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new season of Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel. This season on Legacy of That Shield, we will be breaking down every episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Get ready for some cake quakes and some deep dives. Hi, I'm Zach Perlstein, Editor-in-Chief of the Boardwalk Times. I'm Elizabeth Pfeiffer, the Senior Editor at Boardwalk Times. And my name is Iris Nyholt, a columnist at the Boardwalk Times. We will be breaking down the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So if you haven't watched The Falcon and the Winter Soldier yet, stop listening now because there will be a ton of spoilers ahead. It's been a whole 13 days, but who's counting, since we've been in the MCU. It still feels so good to be back. And this leads us to our first question. What were some of our initial thoughts on the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Zach, it's been a long 13 days. I, you know, left WandaVision feeling excited about the rest of what's to come for Marvel TV shows. And I left this episode feeling so depressed. I feel like that is just the word that I have. Hopefully, you know, you guys that are listening have all watched it and can understand my plight because, wow, that was a very heavy episode, but I think I I love it. Iris, what do you think? I am on the same page. It's the depression sprinkled in with a little bit of anger. Um, you know, it's <laughs> honestly speechless is also a good word for it. I wasn't sure where they were going to go with this first episode, but this was definitely, I I did not expect this. So yeah, that's my initial thoughts. I just think it's important to bring up the tone shift. I mean, we went from WandaVision, which was this such surreal and weird show honoring sitcoms, and now we're back into this political thriller series. Like It's almost like we're watching an extended cut of The Winter Soldier again, and it's just so cool. Yeah, something that I really, I don't know why I didn't expect this, but going into it, I was like, Sam and Bucky are going to just be roommates and already be together. Um, But they're both living completely separate lives. And I really love the fact that throughout this entire episode, they didn't talk to each other. They didn't see each other. Like they weren't on one another's radar. And I think that's really cool because I think that's going to make their meeting later extra impactful. Well, the only thing we did see is that um, Bucky was ignoring Sam's texts. So they did basically interact. It, it, there was just no no counter interaction from Bucky. So why is he ignoring Sam? He's an angsty question. boy. He's, He's an, an angsty boy. boy. That's true. Emo boy. Emo boy Bucky. I'm just shocked the 106-year-old knows how to text. So, you know, it's like, I guess he learned that in Wakanda or something. So Maybe. Did he have a flip phone? I feel like he had a flip phone. Okay, that's what I was just about to yes. say because I heard like a click and I was yes. trying to look at the phone when the therapist threw it back at him, but I couldn't tell. But I, you can't even text on a flip phone that well, so. Well, maybe he practiced really hard with the T9, you know. I mean, we all did. So I guess he has to, he's, he's working through the timeline. So let's go back to the very first scene in this episode. We see Falcon with the Air Force on a military mission. And he ends up fighting Batroc the Leaper, which was played by George St. Pierre. He was in 
Captain America and the Winter Soldier. So that's another like consistency thing. Like, you know, it's just felt very normal to see Falcon fighting one of Cap's um, enemies. But there was also some cool key like side characters set up. And I just want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Torres, guys. I think that this guy is going to be really cool. And if you've looked at the comics or people are talking about it on the internet now, he's going to be our Falcon maybe uh, a little bit later. I think that they set up his character really, really good, really well. Uh, Sam and Bucky are both very, very serious characters. They, I mean, they both joke around a little bit, but in these situations that they're placed in, they are very, very, very serious so I think that he's a really good comic relief but he's also taking his job really seriously and he's kind of gearing up part of the villains in in this series yeah he's really setting that section with all the villains up he's doing a lot of the legwork and Torres's relationship with Falcon kind of reminds me of Falcon's relationship with Cap but like roles are now reversed. Like Torres is now the Falcon type character, the serious, like let's get it done. And Falcon's more like the superhero now. He's the cap. He's like, yeah, I have to go do moon stuff. Well, and maybe that's where we get a little snippet of Torres becoming uh, the next Falcon. If it's sort of like a mentor mentee uh, type situation, I think that would be really cool to see. At first I was like, who's this dude? But <laughs> now I'm very glad he's there. So yeah. Yeah, I love how like young and naive he seems, especially in that first scene while he was just kind of like trailing Sam in the car and that, that whole celebration um, when they defeated the bad guy. But he cannot be the Falcon yet because Sam is still the Falcon. He gave the shield away to supposedly put on display at the Smithsonian but we'll probably touch on what actually happened a little bit later. What do you guys think of him giving up the shield? Because it was such an impactful moment in Endgame, and then he just gave it up right away. It kind of reminded me of um, the beginning of Star Wars Episode Eight. You know, at, at the end of Seven, Ray's handing Luke the the um, the lightsaber, and then right at the ne- the beginning of the next episode, Luke literally like yeets it away. So that's that's kind of what that felt like yeah, to me. Yeah, at least he didn't actually yeet it away. At least he like gave it to the Smithsonian. But for some reason, it makes sense to me that he wouldn't accept it because, as he's he said before, like the shield feels like it belongs to someone else. So it makes sense for him to not want to accept it, especially now that Steve is dead. It's like that that kind of dies with him or something. Is Steve dead? Because he was at the end of Endgame. Did he go back to his own like different timeline? I know he's not there. Maybe not. There was no like funeral. It was just like Steve isn't Captain America anymore. He's gone. Maybe the world thinks he's dead, but no, they don't. At the beginning, I thought that um, Sam was like getting dressed up to to go to Steve's funeral because he was getting all dressed up and like getting fancy, but um, it was just the speech. So maybe he didn't really die because, you know, as they say, if you don't see him die on screen, are they really dead? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And Torres was like, is Captain America on the moon just watching over us? So I think that just it's generally known that he's not dead. People just don't know where he is. Yeah, I don't know if the general public in the MCU understand the whole 
timelines and multiverse yeah i think that will happen you know next year maybe they'll start to be like whoa wait he just left our timeline or left our earth but i think falcon refusing the shield is classic like what you were saying earlier elizabeth it's like the hero's hero's journey like the hero refuses to go into action like similar to luke in like last jedi he's like no I'm not doing this again. It doesn't work. And that's like how Falcon is right now. He's like, I'm not going to be capped. There was only one cap, but I think, and we'll dive more into this later, but I think by the end of this series, Falcon's going to realize, Sam's going to realize that he needs the shield. He needs to become the next Captain America in order to keep up Steve's legacy. Period. Couldn't have said it better myself. Agreed. And that's not the only like Captain, in america consistency thing like we've seen the villains uh batrock the leaper come in and we're going to have sharon carter show up later and helmet zemo but we also got some musical consistency henry jackman who composed the score for captain america and the winter soldier he's back scoring this series so that's why i think it feels such like a captain america movie to me because you know the music and it just kind of tricks your mind into thinking you're watching just Captain America. Yeah, it's like coming home almost. <laughs> it feels safe. I agree, and, yeah. And, and you know where you're at. You know what's what's about to happen. You know what you can expect. So it's I, it's nice how music can do that. And I, I think it's good that they brought in the same uh, composer for that. I agree. And we were in such a different place with WandaVision that it, you're right. It's very nice. It feels like we're coming home to something familiar. But at the same time, I feel like We've never had like an episode or a storyline kind of like this, especially with Bucky and his healing process. I mean, we'll probably talk about it shortly, but he we've been kind of like watching from a distance his healing process with all of the trauma that he's been through. And we got a front seat look at all of that that's going on. And I don't think that we've ever seen that with any Marvel character before. No, and like I think series they have more time to explore. But like with WandaVision, we explored Wanda's grief. Now we're going to explore um Bucky's guilt. And I think Elizabeth, that was the perfect segue. We have to talk about the Bucky therapy scene. We have to talk about, you know, that that whole scene was hilarious to me. It was so interesting. It was hilarious, but also very serious. It was interesting how it happened. Coming from a film perspective, they had those really, really tight shots on Bucky and his therapist. But then when there were comedic parts happening, like when the therapist would grab her notebook or um, Bucky would just be saying something funny, it would be like a wider shot. So I thought that was really interesting to convey those two tones because you're right. It was hilarious, but it was also very serious at the same time. For sure. Yeah, I really liked how they combined those two things. You can definitely um, see that there's something deeper going on with Bucky, but you also get to see his more like side as he's, you know, with the whole notebook situation. He's like, oh, this again. And then the the therapist, she says something about having been a soldier as well. So that little connection. So because I'm not sure do we know who she is or is she just a random therapist? I think she's just a, a random therapist, but it is government... Um... It's the government is making him do it. It's part of his pardon. Obviously, he's done countless terrible things. So I, me, I think going to therapy would definitely be an okay thing if 
I was the winter soldier. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And with the whole pardon thing, I like how there's like she brought up the three rules and how he said that he followed the three rules, but in scene uh, where we see him doing it, we see that he didn't really follow the three rules. So, like, no one gets hurt. That one guy in the car definitely got hurt. <laughs> yes. I am wondering if we'll see those three rules pop up again, because I think that that would be very funny. But at the same time, and maybe I'm I, maybe I'm skipping ahead a little bit too much, but I would really like him to see those uh, see those three rules the right way with his new pal Yori. For sure, for sure. I yeah, with, with his relationship with Yori's special, and that comes back to his his list. Like his list is different than Steve's list in the Winter Soldier, and I think we could dive into that more because Steve's list in Winter Soldier is more of everything he missed, and Bucky's is more um making amends, right? Making amends with people. I think that's what his yeah, list was setting, like. All the names setting right what he did wrong, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love the cinematic parallel, and I'm sure that when Bucky came back, Steve was like, hey, I have a list of everything that I missed. Maybe that, like, making a list will help for you, too. But it's really sad that that's what he has to do for his list. I wish that he could, like, work through the trauma more quickly so he can enjoy the life that he is living now. But obviously, he was the Winter Soldier for a really long time, and that kind of guilt I don't think anybody but him can understand and empathize with. I think people can empathize, but you just, he has to do that, I think, before he can like fully move on. Yeah. And it is like he said, like there was 90 years of him just fighting and being the Winter Soldier. Um, so obviously there's a lot that he has to set right. So it makes sense that he has an extensive list of things to do and people to see. Yeah, those 70 years, Steve was just like in ice, not doing anything. So that's why he can learn more about what he missed. But yeah, you're right. Bucky was just murdering people. For sure. And like his only time where he was at peace, he said, was when he was in Wakanda getting his mind and arm fixed. And But even after that Wakanda section, he goes immediately into battle with Thanos, you know, Thanos comes in Infinity War and Endgame. So it's like Bucky really never got a break and he never really got to probably finish his Wakanda therapy because I'm assuming he was doing therapy and rehab in Wakanda. So he never got to finish that. So I wonder if they'll ever bring that up again because I wouldn't mind seeing Bucky and some of these other characters visit Wakanda again soon. Definitely. And he went from not ever having a break for 70, 80 years to doing nothing. Basically. Yeah, that must be hard too from like going that many years, just keep like going and going and then to suddenly have a break like that. How, how would he have dealt with that? I think it was interesting to see like if we got a chance to see that but we we haven't gotten a chance to see that so maybe we get a flashback someday maybe we don't who's to say i wouldn't rule it out i really wouldn't rule anything out in the mcu like i think one of the big keys today was like Rhodey war machine showed at the smithsonian revealing and then he had a conversation with falcon afterwards similar to how we're having the conversation about it too about well Sam, why did you give up the shield? Why? You know, that was your shield. And, you know, I just love that part of the MCU is they're always consistent with bringing people back and making it really feel like this universe because they didn't have to bring back 
war machine for that scene but it made it like a hundred times better that it was someone we knew. Yeah, I think the mixture of familiarity and new is really important for establishing, you know, Falcon and Bucky as like actual main characters because they're main characters, they're Avengers, but it's always been like Captain America movie or just an Avengers movie in general. Like this is their own. So I think that making that transition is really good if we have other characters helping. But I'm also super excited that we got to meet um, Sam's family, his sister, Sarah, and her two boys, and just get a glimpse of that life because we've only known him just as Sam, as the Falcon. When he was introduced, it was kind of like straight into action back in Winter Soldier. So I think it's cool that we're getting a little bit of a background. So what do you guys think of their whole situation with their their family and their boat and that lone dude at the bank I want to hear it all that lone dude at the bank man I well first of all I think it was super interesting to see where Sam's roots lay like back in Louisiana on the was it it's like a fishing um uh, business they have right or like a something with fish it's a fishing charter they do right, um yes take people out in boats and i think they do some kind of cooking too i hope they it reminds me of like bubba gump's back in um forest gump actually yes yes exactly so i thought it was cool to see that that's the place that he came from um but he obviously has been gone for five years so um yeah it must have been hard for his sister to like keep it all afloat by herself which she has said so yeah but back to the lone guy um (laughs) he obviously is like a fan of the avengers otherwise he wouldn't have been like oh can i take a selfie with you can i do this and that but then for him to be like sorry cannot help you that's for me i didn't like that and also tony stark not paying his employees i'm not surprised but also yeah that was a little weird i mean i feel like when they were all in the avengers compound they were really taken care of but now that they're all on their own like what are they supposed to do for income. And I also, I think it's really unfair that like, if you were gone in the blip for five years and you didn't have five years of income because you didn't exist, you can't get a loan. I think that is just terrible. And I have some issues with those governmental policies in the MCU and yes, capitalism. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of have issue that Sam like didn't feel comfortable with going to pepper Potts because she's probably like one of the richest characters now in all of the mcu so i mean like i feel like pepper Potts could have given him a loan i know they probably didn't want to do something like that but it's like you guys are right like when they were in the avengers like sam's like oh a lot of goodwill a lot of goodwill which i'm assuming that means a mixture of stark a mixture of the government because like the sokovia accords at least in the comics i think when it was like the superhero registration act, I think they paid superheroes to like do stuff. So I don't know, but it's like, you're right. This is like the first show to dive into some of those like logic issues. Like, well, how are they able to afford all this Stark tech and upgrades and, you know, clothes and food. And like, how can Bucky pay for lunch with Yori? Like simple stuff like that. True. Because Bucky's not even working at all. But another thing about that is that Sam has government contracts. I think that is a very interesting thing. I mean, I know the government has contracts for lots of different people doing different things, whether that's like construction or whatever, but a contract to go like be a superhero or go on a mission, I think is super interesting 
And I'm wondering why they don't just like hire him or sense for him to have a government contract. Like if I would think like what they would use superheroes for, that's the first thing my mind would go to. So yeah, that's true. Cause they they have to make a living somehow, Mm -hmm. but again, we'll get into this a little later, but now there's somebody who is essentially a government worker who's a superhero now which I think that is maybe, I think maybe it's an ethical issue, but we'll get into this later because I, I have a lot to say about that. Yeah, those darn Sokovia Accords are having a lasting effect on the MCU because it's like they have to, they have to reveal their identities and stuff. So I wonder if that's going to ever come back into play where they'll either get rid of it, so heroes can go rogue again, they can be masked and don't have to reveal their identities and stuff. It's an interesting debate because we still have that whole team cap versus team Iron Man divide probably going on. So who knows what happens in the future? You're so right. Okay. I want to hear it from you guys. Were y'all team cap or team Iron Man? Me team cap all the way. Yeah. I was also team cap. Yep. I was also team cap too, even though I loved all the people on team Iron Man, but I was team cap just for the logical reasons you know the ethical logical moral reasons yeah like (laughs) you know it's hard to go against steve rogers you know what i mean yeah it's really hard to you're so right against him and and america's ass (laughs) (laughs) yes Yes. we're gonna have to ask the rest of the multiverse of marvel cast what team they were on because i'm super very interested in that for sure for sure So we're going to get back on track with this episode, but real quick, we have an ad today. So stay tuned, listen to our ad, and we will be right back. All right, welcome back to our podcast. Let's get back on track with this episode. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. The Falcon and Winter Soldier episode one, I, I think it really delivered and set up some things but one of the more interesting things in this episode was as part of Bucky's list of making amends he does um get a new friend named Yori and basically Yori's like his wingman and stuff they go out to lunch and even leads Bucky Barnes on a date which is pretty awesome so we need your thoughts on that okay when he first was hanging out with Yori when he like bumped into him in the alley I honestly thought it was one of his friends from before he became the winter soldier before the war I was like Bucky hanging out with an old dude they knew each other before oh but we were so wrong we were so wrong we were very wrong I also thought he was like hanging out with him because he's like hey you're an old man I'm basically an old man now I have old man friends um but that was not the case so yeah (laughs) yeah I'm just sad thinking about it again. Yeah, it's very sad because as we've seen in the episode, Yuri's son is dead. I think it was really interesting how the whole ordeal was set up from Bucky having that nightmare to then we figured out along the way that Yuri's son is the guy that Bucky killed in his nightmare. And yeah, y'all are shaking your heads. It's so sad. But I think it was also really well done, like from a filmmaker's perspective, because we could have just seen like Yori's name on the list and like, oh, I killed his son. But seeing what Bucky saw and then feeling that guilt with him was, oh, chef's kiss. Well, and just seeing that he was truly someone who was just there 
wrong time, wrong place. He was just trying to get into his his room after a long day. So, yep. That scene totally caught me off guard because when it happened, I thought we were still in present day MCU. And I was like, wait, what? Did Bucky like revert back to the Winter Soldier? What, what happened? But then once I realized it was like a flashback, it just, my heart sank once we were at the bar scene and Yori is tearing up about remembering what his son used to love. And you could just tell on Bucky's face, he knew, like he knew the wrong time, wrong place. Oh, just it's still devastating pretty hard to talk about yeah what did you guys think when we'll talk about his date in a second but when Bucky left his date and went to Yori's house I I knew that it was like gonna be too soon for him to say something but you know it's the pilot episode so anything can happen but when he didn't say anything oh it just like hurt my heart even more what do you guys think well, first of all, I was like, that poor girl just gets left behind <laughs> um, on her date with him because he just takes off. Um, but then when he gets to the door, I certainly thought he was going to say something. But now I'm just left to wonder, like, when is he going to say something? And like, how is that going to go down? I, I wonder that, too, because as we've learned in the MCU, once this stuff gets out, people change. Like when Tony Stark found out that the Winter Soldier, his parents... He went ballistic and broke Bucky's arm off. So I know Yori's not capable of that, but still it could change their entire like relationship. Like the guy that he's been spending money on for lunch and stuff. I just think, I don't know if he, if he's going to really tell Yori because that just changes, changes so much about their relationship even though it's the making amends i don't even know if yori's understand that bucky was a different person like it's gonna take him like a half an hour just to explain the whole winter soldier hydra thing to yori but doesn't yori know that he's really old like didn't bucky say in front of him like i haven't been dancing since yeah he 1943? did so he gets yeah, I, it but like doesn't get it all the way i don't yeah, like, think how he are you gets gonna... it all the way how are you going to explain to an old man that you were brainwashed by an evil uh, like company or like hydra organization and then yeah. you killed his son? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you can't really explain that and and expect someone to be like, oh, I get it. OK, yeah, I totally understand. And like, obviously, Yori's really struggling with the fact that he has no clue what happened to his son. So when you don't know that and you're hanging out with a guy who knows exactly what happened, and he just doesn't say anything to you for a long time. I feel like the longer Bucky doesn't say anything, like the more impact it's going to have on Yori and Yori will resent him more. Or he's just going to be a really forgiving dude. But the first the first seems a little more so. likely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the more Yori keeps bringing it up to like, oh, I don't know what happened to my son. And then the girl he went on a date with, too, was like, I think the, the worst thing for him is that he doesn't know what happened to his son. That just keeps hitting Bucky. And he's like, oh, it was me. I did it. <laughs> yeah, that, that can't be easy either. This has a lot of cinematic parallels to like Cap knowing that Howard Stark was murdered by like Winter Soldier and then just doesn't tell Tony about it for years. And then once it comes out, you know, it boom, you know, stuff starts to go down. So I feel like if, yeah, I don't know when Bucky will have the chance to tell this to Yori, but I do have to admit outside of their 
emotional conversations, Yori is such a great wingman. I have to just get that off my chest. Yori is an excellent wingman, and Bucky should learn a thing or two from him. Yes, he was very, very bold. And I think that is hilarious because Bucky is not bold in those types of situations, even though he was prior to World War II. He was the one pulling all the chicks. He um, got all the girls. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's I think it's interesting that he's like kind of at that place that Steve was at and just not wanting to talk to anybody and having a hard time adjusting. And it also makes me even more sad that Steve isn't there to help him adjust, but uh, it's fine. But I want to talk about Bucky's date. So Yori hooked him up. Um, and he was just like hanging out with this girl for a little bit. And something that I wanted to point out right away was that, you know, they were playing Battleship and every single time he lost, which was a lot, he had to take a drink and there were like a ton of beer bottles by him. And she made a comment like, wow, you can really drink. He's a super soldier and Steve couldn't get drunk. We knew that from the first Captain America movie. So I think that that was interesting. But what it, what did you guys think of the date? I, I love the day. I just loved how it came about, though. I just still think it's one of those iconic scenes where Yori's like, oh, this man wants to go on a date with you. And then, you know, Bucky's like, sorry, sorry. He's just he's out of mind. And then the girl's like, no, I'm game. And I'm like, that can only happen to Bucky Barnes. That doesn't happen in real life. Like that only happens to guys who look like Bucky Barnes. But besides that, I I love the date. I loved how it went. But I do feel a bit like sad because of how abruptly he left because I thought he was only going to like go outside for a minute. I didn't think he was going to straight up like leave her. And I thought the 106 year old would know better than just to leave a girl on his date. Yeah, she was asking him a bunch of questions too. That just popped into, into my mind because you said the 106 year old thing. Um, uh, first off, what I wanted to say is that he brought her flowers, which was so cute, obviously, and very old fashioned, like she says, which obviously he's an old fashioned guy. <laughs> it was so cute, though. It was very cute. Oh. I agree. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then she started like shooting all these questions at him, like, do you have siblings? Uh, are you close with your parents? How old are you? And then when he quipped back with the 106 years old, I was like, oh, she's never going to buy that obviously, because I wouldn't buy that either. If a guy on a date says that, I'd be like, oh, he's just messing around. Um, but yeah, I think it was very funny. And I think, Zach, what you said too, I thought he was just going to step out and take a bit of air, but for him to completely disappear, like I said before, that poor girl. So do you guys think that she'll come back or be a bigger character in this series? I was a little taken aback by the whole love interest in the first episode because everybody was guessing, ah, oh, like Sharon Carter is going to be in the series yeah, so maybe yeah. she I had written that down I was like please do not make Sharon Carter his love interest because a that would be so weird because he was also he also had a thing with Steve of she had a thing with Steve excuse me <laughs> um, <laughs> all the shippers right now <laughs> <laughs> whoops Stucky um, Stucky no I was talking about Sharon obviously <laughs> um but the therapist was she did say something about like uh oh now's your chance and like it's you should you should have people around you or something like that and my immediate thought was like please do not push Sharon to, to make to like fill that void because I think she deserves her own character arc 
uh, especially because we didn't really see much of her in Civil War. Yes, I totally agree with that. I think that I didn't like her in Civil War because she was just like a love interest for Steve. And I am um, like a huge believer in Steve and Peggy being together. So like I didn't like her at all all and I think that's just some internalized misogyny on my part because her entire character for me was just going after Steve so I'm really excited to get to know her as like Sharon as herself in this and I'm ready for it and I think she's going to be an awesome character I just need to get to that level where I can really appreciate her because I couldn't before I'm on the same page, but back to the girl um, that Bucky actually went on a date with. Um, <laughs> I think she might come back because he left her so abruptly, like something has to happen with that, right? What if she's part of like the Flag Smashers, like, you know, one of those like deep, like sad twists where she's like actually part of that like radical group we're going to talk about later where during the blip, the Flag Smashers were like, it was better during the blip. We want to live on a unified world. We don't want like separate countries we want to just live in a unified world and you know that's the main one of the main villains in the series so i wonder if they'll do a twist or something that would be really crazy she did say something that like bucky was a little taken aback by when they were playing battleship she's like i'm reading your mind right now and i was like that is a joke uh here in in our current universe but like with the Marvel universe, you don't know if somebody can read your mind or not. And I think like it was meant as a joke, but if something were to happen from that, you heard it here first, folks. She reads minds. The Crazy one on a date with mind reader. Yes. But also like him being like, please don't. I'm like, I feel you. They've been messing around up in there so much. You don't want anyone else in there. <laughs> right. Like, that would be an awesome second date reveal. It would be like, Bucky's like, yeah, I'm just this 106-year-old. And she's like, well, I'm actually 100. I'm a mutant. (laughs) Like, you know, just something random. And that's how the X-Men came to be in this Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that's that's how they introduced the X-Men. And I should have said this earlier, but that random therapist is going to be Mephisto, too. So (laughs) it's going to, like... It's all connected. Fantastic Four is going to come in later in the season. We're going to go all in <laughs> in these six episodes. We're going to spare no expense. Every single character is, you know, this is the future. It's Disney Plus. Can't wait for Magneto to show up and tell Wanda he's actually her dad. Exactly. In the next you movie. Know, oh my gosh. I, I can't wait for Falcon and Bucky to talk about like visiting Westview and then they don't realize that Westview is like under a hex or whatever. I don't know the timelines or whatever, but still. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was actually wondering about that too, because if Wanda's like sucked up into Westview, if this is happening, like why is no one checking in with her? Like dudes, I thought y'all were family. (laughs) I think I read somewhere online that it's maybe a few months after the whole Westview thing, because during Sam's speech, he said something along the lines. Yeah. Of like, Oh, it's been a few months since the like people came back and the world was turned into turmoil or you know something along those lines. And Westview was like only a few weeks a after weeks. the blip. Yeah, because yeah, so Monica I, just came back. Yeah, yeah, so I think that there's a gap between that. So I'm wondering if Sword is gonna be in this series at all. I for me, I don't think it's very likely. But what do you guys think? I wouldn't be surprised if Sword comes in near the end because. Or if Nick Fury up from space says like, oh, I've seen what Falcon and Bucky have been doing, you know, tell them I'm assembling a new team or, you know, 
something like that. I could see that happening with Sword, but it's it's interesting because you know Falcon and Bucky stood next to Wanda at Tony Stark's funeral, and all three of them are obviously grieving. But it's just shocking to me, and I know we have to have these series happen, but it's just still shocking to me. Like these three didn't connect more. You know, they didn't like stay tight after this funeral, after like this historic yeah, moment. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And like, I feel like Wanda had a really good relationship with Steve as well. He kind of helped her adjust. You know, he had had to go through a period of adjustment. And so she was also doing the same after leaving a terrorist organization. And she was so, on his team too. So, yes. Cap. So it's, interesting yeah like you said there isn't more of a bond there between the three of them but we we know we thought that i at least thought that bucky and sam were going to be roommates in like gung-ho first episode and that's obviously not the truth because For you're sure. right oh my gosh they were roommates and they were roommates <laughs> uh they're all grieving so they're, they're all doing it in different ways obviously wanda did it in a super a super different way but yeah, I would love to see them together again. That will not happen in this series, but maybe maybe later. But I'm kind of mad at the government right now, so I don't really want to see Sword. Sorry. No, that's true, but but, but remember, Sword, Sword's still like this weird like offshoot of the government. Like the government we're seeing right now is like our traditional government, like the ones who, and this actually creates the perfect way into our next segment, but they're the ones who got Sam to like, give up the shield for the smithsonian like they're right now the bad guys where it's like i i don't think sword would have made sam give up the shield because they love having weapons on their side they would have loved that like vibranium stark tech you know so that leads us right into here where the cliffhanger of this episode is there's a new captain america in town his name's u.s agent john walker his and name is a lot US of agent. <laughs> yeah, a lot of that people just sounds online, sketchy. That just sounds it awful. It's very sketchy. A lot of people online are like, this is Walmart cap and they're right. So, yeah, I need your guys' thoughts. I think I already know what your thoughts are, but I still need to hear them. It's, you know, when you order something from this website called wish.com and um, the pictures are very pretty, like it's a pretty prom dress, that's Steve. And then when you get the order in and it's like a couple of loose pieces of fabric stapled together, that's the new cap. Um, that's my opinion on him. And also, um, why do we trade in Sam, who's basically, he fits the mold. Um, Steve gave him the shield into this generic white man with no good booty <laughs> to, to become the next cap. It, I just think the government wants some control over the whole Captain America thing. Yes, I honestly couldn't have said that better myself. I knew that this was going to happen in the series. It had been kind of revealed before, but honestly, the way they revealed it was infuriating. We were in the place of Sam. He's at home trying to like bring back his parents' boat into, you know, like the new century and help his family stay afloat. And he finds out that there's a new Captain America at the same time that the rest of the world does. And that's awful. He gave up his shield thinking that he was honoring Steve's legacy. And the government went psych and gave it to some Walmart looking just, uh, I, I just see what legacy. We don't know what legacy legacy of what shield. Yeah. (laughs) 
and it brings up a good point like who's john walker does he have any abilities does he like you know you can give a man a shield but will he what will he do with it and that's like the biggest thing like what is he gonna do with it because if he's not really a super soldier then ooh. i saw someone theorize that he was a cop like just a regular like good old cop could yeah he could be i don't know but that's just one of the theories i saw floating around and with this new captain america it seems like they're putting him back into that like propaganda limelight that they put Steven after the experiment and after, you know, the scientists that created the super soldier serum died. You know, the government didn't really know what to do with him. So they were like, you're going to promote war bonds and that is your whole job. Now, obviously, they want this new cap um, to be like more of a superhero, obviously, but it seems very much like propaganda like this is the united states hero that is what concerns me the most because they want him to be for the people but only for the people of the united states and, and that, me, as an as a as a foreign person i do not agree with <laughs> yes a little unnerving i feel like if you're you are a superhero your ultimate goal should be to fight for good whatever that ends up being so yeah unnerving unethical question mark i would say unethical exclamation point but but yeah, but I don't think he's a super soldier, but it looks like there might be a super soldier in our midst in the Flag Smashers. There was um, an allusion to that. And I want to know, I have a theory about who the leader is of the Flag Smashers, but I want to hear what you guys think about um, that whole situation in Switzerland. I find that whole situation really interesting, the Flag Smashers and I think they're obviously going to be a big threat. I I kind of want to hear your theory, Elizabeth, because I think it's similar to my theory on who's going to lead the Flag Smashers. And but... I have no theory, so. <laughs> oh, no theories? Oh, no. Yeah, Come on. I know. I'm sorry. I'm oh, sorry. No. Maybe oh, it's Mephisto. Oh, no. Yeah, it probably is. <laughs> um, You're right. No, I'm just excited to see, obviously, from the trailers, Bucky and Sam get into some fights with this group, so... You know, I can't wait for that. And just one more note on U.S. Agent John Walker. I think I say this for for everyone, but I cannot wait until we get Sam Wilson versus John Walker, U.S. Agent, and it's a fight for the shield. Ooh, I got chills so thinking good. about yes. it. Yes. I, I know the cap in his head. <laughs> oh, oh, I know that it's going to be epic and I know that he's going to get it back eventually. So it's, oh, yeah. it's not going to be like a heist. It's going to be like a, a violence thing. And I think it's going to be really cool. Um, but switching back gears, since that was your final note on uh, US agent back yeah. to the flag smashers, I think, and maybe you do too, that the leader of the flag smashers is Zemo because I was looking at him and he just looked like a buffed out version of the scrawny guy that we saw in Captain America Civil War. Um, and, you know, he was at that facility where all of those winter soldiers were. So maybe he found some some type of serum and just like took it. I don't know. Or he's just super buffed out. But the way that he totally attacked Torres was kind of crazy. That was not natural. There there was nothing natural about that. Maybe he found a syringe in there and was like, well, you only live once and just yeeted it into his arm. Yeah, I mean, at the end of Civil War, he definitely wanted to die. So he probably was just like, meow, and just oh, yes. did it for the vibes. 
Yeah, Zemo, I think, is a good candidate for this role as Flag Smashers because they're like anarchists. They want to keep the world as it was during the blip. And remember, Zemo is one of the smartest MCU villains we have. He didn't even lay a finger on the Avengers, but tore them apart. He was able to do that without any violence. Can you imagine him with violence now? Like that's a dangerous threat. And I know in the comics, Zemo ends up leading a villain group called the Thunderbolts, which that's one of my take quakes and early theories and predictions that by the end of this series, William Thunderbolt Ross will assemble a team of super villains, government shank, like government sanctioned super villains the Thunderbolts and that will lead into a Disney plus series or a future film. And there'll be villains going forward. That's a very interesting theory. I would like to see it honestly. Yeah. So the time has come. This is our final question for our first episode of legacy of that shield. And I just have to ask, what do you guys think will happen on the next episode of the Falcon and the winter soldier? Oh boy. That's such a good question. I didn't even know what to, whoa, I didn't even know what to expect for this episode. And we got just a really great piece of content getting deeper into the lives of Sam and Bucky. So I'm hoping that in the next episode, they will finally intersect. I don't know if that'll happen right at the beginning, but I would at least like them to see each other by the end of the episode next time around. And I would really like to know more about the U.S. agent because I can't wait to roast him more, honestly. Yes, I'm on the same page. I would like to see more of their lives. I would like to see more of that agent because where the heck did he come from? Um, Who is he? But I also think that uh, Bucky and Sam will come together. Maybe Bucky will finally uh, answer Sam's texts. Uh, and they have to come together to protect Steve's legacy. So I think that's what's going to happen next episode. I agree. I'm very similar to you too. I think Bucky and Sam are going to reunite. It's going to be glorious. They're going to talk about the U.S. agent, John Walker. But then my other bold prediction really is that we're going to see Sharon Carter next episode. And maybe we'll get a yes. Zemo tease. But I think, you know, maybe that's too bold for episodes too. But yeah, I wouldn't rule it out. Sharon Carter showing up and, you know, we get that trio again. You're right. Do you think we'll um, have a consistent runtime of like the 49, 50 minutes like we had? Or do you think they'll be shorter like WandaVision? I think we're going to have a consistent runtime because it's only six episodes. And I really feel like they need it all almost 50 minutes to tell this story. Like they need it all that time. So, yeah, for sure. And it didn't really feel like 50 minutes to me. It was just like I blinked and it was over. So I hope I feel that long. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, I'm so excited for next week and it's going to be good. Yes. Me too. Yeah. It's always fun. Always fun. What do you think will happen in the next episode? Tweet at us at Boardwalk Times. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Thanks for listening to Boardwalk Times Multiverse of Marvel, Legacy of That Shield. Tune in next week with Iris Nyholt, Giovanni Delgadillo, and Muska Olumi as they break down the next episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier.